0: Bible reading to you this evening from 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 5, and then we'll be flicking over to chapter 3 and uh, looking at verses 14 to 15. So 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Saviour, and of Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Over to chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing to you with these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Amen, and may God bless this reading of his word.
1: good evening everybody and did you enjoy that bible reading because i'm actually going to be preaching from 2 timothy so somehow we got it wrong but it doesn't matter god's word always speaks (laughs) sorry charlie i probably gave you the wrong reading that's all right can we get that up on back at all guys The slide up on the back there i'm going to read those passages anyway we're going to cover that during the message Anyway, God's word never returns to him void, always accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for this uh, beautiful, fresh new evening. (laughs) Thank you for the day we've had. Thank you for the mothers and the celebration that we're able to have with them. And we know, Lord, that there are many circumstances that may not always be happy circumstances when it comes to Mother's Day. We know that. We ask so tonight that you would open our eyes and our hearts to your word and just speak to us, Lord. May we just be those who are thirsty to hear from you as we continue our time of worship, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read you this, what I think is a beautiful little story. It goes like this A mother and her little four year old daughter were preparing to retire for the night. The child was afraid of the dark and the mother on this occasion alone with the child felt fear also when the light was out the child caught a glimpse of the moon outside the window mother she asked is the moon god's light yes said the mother the next question was will god put out his light and go to sleep the mother replied no my child god never goes to sleep psalm 121 no my child god never goes to sleep then out of a simplicity of a child's faith she said that which gave reassurance to the fearful mother well said the child well as long as god is awake there's no sense of both of us staying awake isn't that amazing it's a beautiful little story did you catch that She's saying, if God's awake, then we don't have to be awake. Let's just go to sleep. I hope you picked that up. And I love that little story. But what I'd like to get you to think, what's behind that? Who sowed those seeds of faith in that little child's mind that she could come up with this? Sure, the Holy Spirit works. He does some amazing things. Out of the mouth of babes, you know, he has ordained praise. You know, the Bible says that. But someone was actually, I think, someone has actually sown those seeds of faith into that little girl's mind and heart over many years possibly well over four years and she's able to come out with something like that and I'd like to suggest that it possibly was the mother who knows but as was has already said tonight mums are special people do you agree with that yeah most of the mums I'm sure do and we do but, and, and, you know, and I, um, what I want to suggest tonight that generally, and I say generally, I believe that they are pretty much undervalued and underappreciated in our societies today. Now, you might disagree with that. Go ahead. That's okay. That's fine. But that's what I think. I've got a question. So how many of the mums here tonight that when you were or are now a stay-at-home mum so there might have been some point in your life when you were a stay-at-home mum or you may be now so at some point when you were in that position of being a stay-at-home mum that you have actually had people say to you "Um, do you work or what do you do and then you've replied possibly you've replied something along the line of well you might even say no naughty if you do but you might even say well I'm only a housewife or I'm I'm only a stay-at-home mum how many of you have said that now don't put your hands up but I wonder how many of you have actually said that or felt that you kind of feel a little bit undervalued a little bit underappreciated because you're not out there earning a wage but you do earn a wage and you're so valuable you know This is a long time ago, I know 40 years ago, but there was a study conducted back in 1979 by an attorney called Michael Milton. He did a study on the monetary value of a wife and a mother's services in the home. This guy became a successful divorce lawyer. Isn't it a shame we have to have divorce lawyers? Scott's already mentioned some of these things. Um, But he first... He, he, he first listed the various functions that a mother stay-at-home mum performs these are some of them you could probably add to the list she's a chauffeur she's a gardener family counselor maintenance worker cleaning woman housekeeper cook errand runner bookkeeper interior decorator caterer dietitian, secretary hostess anybody want to add any more to that list yes. nurse hey that's good Did I not mention that in there? Nurse, first aider, yeah. This is interesting. Using this same list of stay-at-home mum's work in the labour market, this is back in 1979, he came up with an annual income of $40,000. That's what she was worth back then, $40,000. Today, who wants to guess what that equates to today? Using that same wage... Today is up to 148,439. How come it's so quiet? (laughs) And and just to back that, that statistic up, I found another site that said this. This is what it said. I quote, Being a mother may be just, if not, the world's most challenging job. Think you can put a price on being a mother? Try... To try 143,102. This was back this was published back in nine sorry, this was published back in 2017. 2017. They said 143,102, according and it says here, that's according to salary.com. So you can check that out if you want. All right. But I also have to ask, I want you to think about this. How many people, including the mums here tonight, Really do appreciate, or perhaps they underappreciate, the incredible value or impact that their motherly influence has on their children. A nationwide survey was conducted by the University of Michigan in which they asked thousands of girls between the ages of 11 and 18 what they would like to be in adult life. 80 percent expressed a desire to be like their mothers isn't that amazing don't know how long that was taken but there you go 80 percent of these girls between ages of 11 and 18 wanted to be like their mothers i think that's amazing and as i said before we are aware of the circumstances in some family life where that's not a happy place to be. Being a mother may not be the happy place for you. Being a child of the mother may not be. It might be an absent mother, absent children, whatever. You can put your own slant on that, but it may mean that not all um, families are happy families or have happy memories when it comes to mothers' involvement and so on. We know that, we acknowledge that, and we need to be praying for people such as that as well but I but you know tonight it was I want to just share a few other things here but it was a mother's influence upon the life of her daughter that first brought the whole idea of Mother's Day into being listen to this it was a woman named Anna M Jarvis who first suggested the national observance of an annual day honoring all mothers because she had loved her own mother so dearly at a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 1908, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, her mother's favourite flower, to each person who attended that memorial service. Within the next few years, the idea of a day to honour mothers gained popularity. And Mother's Day was observed in a number of large cities in the US, and on May 9th, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. He established the day as a time for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. So there you go, some of you probably already knew that, but that's how it all happened. But you know, as lovely as that gesture was, I want to suggest tonight that Mother's Day began a lot earlier than that. Because when the Apostle Paul wrote in his second letter to Timothy back, back in approximately 66, 67 AD from the confines of a Roman dungeon, he said this in verses 3 to 5 of 2 Timothy. He said, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers recalling your tears I long to see you that I may be filled with joy verse 5 I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am now persuaded now lives in you also you know in other words I believe that Paul was saying in part Timothy, you know, I thank God for your grandmother, Lois. I thank God for your mother, Eunice. I thank God for the, for the godly influence that they had on your life, which had a lot to do with the very fact that your faith in Christ is such as, as it is today. I think Paul was saying that. I mentioned earlier that um, the influence of mothers... Had on their daughters. What about the influence of a mother on their sons? What do you think about that? Doctor in Doctor James Dobson's book, uh, "Bringing Up Boys," a great book to read for mothers who have sons. (laughs) He mentions some uh, interesting, if not sad or tragic, statistics from this. Let me just read you a little bit about what he says. It goes a bit like this, he says, Mary Carlson, a researcher from Harvard Medical School, recently studied an overcrowded Romanian orphanage where row upon row of babies lay neglected in their cribs. The staff was hopelessly overworked, so the babies were rarely touched, even when feeding. What struck Carlson was the oppressive silence in the nursery. There was no crying or babbling, not even a whimper. Upon physical examinations administered at age two, Carlson found that the babies had unusually high amounts of a stress hormone in the blood called cortisol, which in large amounts is known to damage the brain. Growth was stunted and the children acted half their age. Even if they manage to survive, they will never fully recover. But what are the implications of less tragic circumstances where the mother-boy relationship simply fails to gel? That specific question was studied at Harvard University. Researchers found that early bonding is vital. It is even related to physical health. 40 or 50 years later, Incredibly, 91% of college men who said they had not enjoyed a close relationship with their mothers developed coronary artery disease, hypertension, dual denal ulcers, and alcoholism by the midlife years. Only 45% of the men who recalled maternal warmth and closeness had similar illnesses. Even more surprising is the fact that 100% of participants in this study whose parents were cold and distant uh, went on to suffer numerous diseases in midlife. In short, the quality of early relationships between boys and their mothers is a powerful predictor of lifelong psychological and physical health. When certain needs are not met in infancy, trouble looms down the road. That was written by Dr. James Dobson in his book called Bringing Up Boys. He's also written a book called Bringing Up Girls, which is a later one. So, anyway, this sincere faith in Timothy that was so evidently displayed was certainly attributed to the godly display of this same faith, love and care seen in his mother and in his grandmother. Timothy was raised in a Christian home. And his mother Eunice was a converted Jewess which we're told about in Acts chapter 16 and verse 1 his father was Greek and and most likely not a believer Um, but his grandmother Lois had evidently also become a believer as well because Paul can write about the sincere faith found in all three generations Timothy had been raised under the influence and instruction of a Christ centred mum since childhood Which Paul also mentions in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 14 to 15 listen to these words but as for you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learnt it and I love verse 15 and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And I believe that Paul is referring to Timothy's mother and his grandmother's influence and their teachings. And mum's here today. And look, everybody just, you know, we're we starting, we kids club is happening very soon. And I just believe it's so vital That children today, even from infancy, even before they can talk, even before they can walk, that they need to be exposed to the word of God. They need to see, they need to hear the things of God valued and modelled in your family life, in your personal life, and in your public church life. You know, kids are pretty good. They can pick a fake. I reckon they can. And I reckon that if you're a a different person at home than you are when you come to church, your kids will pick that and they'll call you a fake. Don't be a fake. Be real to your kids. Be real. Be real in your own faith. You know, our children need to hear the name of Jesus spoken by their mums and dads in reverence, in awe, in love. And sadly, as you know, for many, for many kids, they only hear the name of Jesus used in anger, you know, and as a cuss word, as a swear word. When Moses was speaking to the Israelites, he both reminds them and he, and he warns them to keep God's commands not only for them to keep it but to teach them to their children listen to what moses says in deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 18 to 19 he says fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up and you know this is how our relationship with Jesus ought to be it's not just a Sunday thing it's an everyday life thing and your kids need to see how your Christian faith works its way out in your life when you're at home when you're out somewhere wherever be who you are in Christ be real I mean just for an example don't be embarrassed that if you go out for a dinner somewhere as a family, that you sit somewhere quietly as in, in a public area. Bow your heads and give thanks for the food. Don't feel embarrassed about that. You don't get up on a table and make a big song and dance about it. You don't want to do that. But don't be embarrassed. What you do at home, then do out in public. Let your kids see that your Christian faith is real and it works for you wherever you are 24-7 because if it's not working for you like that then you need to ask yourself am i really born again is the holy spirit at work in me Yeah And look tonight I want to encourage particularly young families tonight that if you're not already doing this I want to encourage you here's some practical stuff have a family altar in your home What do I mean by having a family altar what do I mean by that? Simply this, make time, have a place. And let me say this, because i have speaking from experience. It will not be easy. You will not just all of a sudden say, oh, look, here's some time. Let's have a family devotional time together. You've got to make it happen. It won't be easy. But, but make a time, make a place where you can sit down with your children and you read to them. Read them something out of a Get a children's Bible. Rose and I had one that was 365 Bible stories or something. We, we aimed to, to actually read one of those to our kids every night. But get a children's Bible. Start to read stories out of that Bible to the kids. Pray together. As I said, you know, Rose and I... We did this regularly with our with our three kids some years ago now. And I, we've got to be honest, I'll be honest with you. Back then we often wondered if it was all worth it. Was it worth the pain? Was it worth it were they even listening? We'd sit on the floor with them. And we'd have our boys rolling around over there. One would be rolling there, one would be rolling over there. Kind of they kind of, you know, where are you? <laughs> but they'd be doing all this sort of stuff, picking their... No, they wouldn't be doing that so much, but, you know, scratching their head and just kind of looking around. You kind of think, oh, is anything going in? What are we doing this for? I'm sure you've heard it's said that families that pray together stay together. I believe there's a lot of truth in that. And the fact that as parents and as grandparents, the fact is that... As parents and grandparents, again, we're speaking from experience, we never stop praying for our kids. Even when they are adults, even when they grow up and they have their own kids, they're still your kids and you never stop praying for them. You never stop praying for them. Expose your children early to the life of faith and hope that you have in Christ. That life, that sincere faith in you, expose your children to that. Let them see it being lived out in your life let them see and let them see it early because i'll tell you what you can be sure i don't have to convince you of this but you can be sure that what they do get exposed to very early in life is very different to what you want them to be exposed to and it won't be the stuff that you want them to be exposed to won't be biblical it'll be very much opposite and again let me say it happens so very early in life be careful what your kids are watching on TV. Be careful of the cartoons. Be careful of some of the kids' programs. I don't want to be paranoid about it. But just be careful of the little messages that they're getting told through some of this stuff. Just be aware and alert and pray over your children. You need to do that. Many times, <clears throat> you've heard, I'm sure, I've heard many times during testimonies for those who are being baptised and things like that, for example, uh, from different ones, from different age groups... Um, they begin their story by saying, "I was brought up in a Christian home." How many times have you heard that? But not that fantastic? Praise God that you were brought up in a Christian home. You know, thank God for the homes where Christ is not only the unseen guest at every meal. You know that little thing, the little plaque that you might see in homes. It's lovely, but praise God that He's not just the only, the, the unseen guest in every ha- home or every meal but that he's the unseen host and master of every dimension of your family life. And in the spirit of Mother's Day today, we we thank God for the mums who raise their children with with their husbands, with their dads, I know that. But mums today particularly, thank God for the mums who raise their children under the influence of their sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ god honors that god blesses that don't give up on that and the apostle paul could have written this passage to me personally because <clears throat> a little bit of my testimony because because it, it's it's an amazing resemblance on, on how it was in my own life i, I mean i too had a, a, a godly mother and a godly grandmother and i believe that their lives and their influence had a lot to do with where i am today I know for a fact that they both prayed for me. I left home at 17. I was still only a kid, for goodness sake. Left home at 17. I wasn't a Christian. Never went back home again, really. To visit, but didn't, never went back to live. And I joined the army. What an environment to be in as a non-Christian. Leaving home at 17. Look at all the influences. You can imagine that all the influences that I was exposed to. I believe it enriched my mother's prayer life. And my, and my grandmother's prayer life both of these special ladies in my life they're both very special they've since died they've since gone to be with the lord but they served the lord lovingly and faithfully and they've left behind them i believe true legacies of what paul described as sincere faith in in our whole family life both these ladies, they never had it easy in their lives. My mother, for example, or my mother's father, uh, walked out on her, walked out on the whole family of five young kids who lived in, a, in very poor conditions in a little, back then, a little fishing town called Goolwa in South Australia. Goolwa on the, on the Coorong, on the, on the River Murray there. And because my mother was, was the eldest of the, of the five of the kids... A lot of the responsibility fell on her of raising the family. And my mother, I found out, didn't know this as a kid, but I found out later on that my mother um, nearly died from diphtheria when she, was a, when she was an 11-year-old girl. And then in her 40s, obviously, which I did know, she was diagnosed with cancer. And then she died a few years later after that. And then her mother... So my grandmother also died from cancer several years after that. But both of these women, like Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, both of them, like these two ladies, they loved us, they prayed for us, they consistently lived out their faith before us, consistently lived out their faith before us. We saw weaknesses as well. We saw their struggles. We saw their fears. We saw their failures but we also saw the consistency of their love and of their faith in Christ. And they spoke of their faith and they lived out their faith to us, before us. And that left an incredible, indelible, unforgettable impression, not only on my life, but on the whole of my family. You know, and I don't mind admitting that I still miss having my mum around. I wish she was still around. I've got to say that. (laughs) I miss the adult conversations with her. Because at seventeen I was still only a kid and I was away, I was cut two thousand kilometres away, hardly ever saw her. And I miss those conversations that I would love to have had now. So I want to say to this young people, if you've got your mum around still, enjoy her while you can, because those times may come to an end just like that. You don't know what you're missing till it's gone, as the saying goes. So enjoy and develop and grow relationships, mothers and daughters, daughters and sons, and uh, sons and, and mothers and fathers. You, you just join, you know, become close as family. You need to do that because you don't know when that day will come, when there'll be a separation. So there's, it, if there's a secret <laughs> as to how a mother can have such a profound godly influence on her children's lives that it's found in the testimony um, it's found the testimony of this of this particular mother who wrote in a publication called the treasure of a mother's heart by patricia h rushford listen to this i think she sums it up really well i kind of finish with this she said as i grew and developed as a mother i came to realize one important fact without god I could never have survived mothering oh I know that there are skeptics out there who would laugh at me for saying that but it's true in my children's earlier years although I believed in God I didn't really know I could lean on him when times got tough I thought if I tried hard enough I could eventually become the kind of mother my psychology books and mother's day cards told me that I should be a kid needs a mum who needs God I am a better mother, not perfect because I live in the strength that God gives me I love my children because he first loved me he gives me hope in the hopeless situations and helps me see the rainbow on the other side of the rain he heals the thorn infested wounds that I might smell the roses he gives me tears to wash away the pain, oh but then, then he gives me joy so I can laugh again. If in my role as a mother I have done one thing right, it was to instill in my children the truth of needing and loving God. Amen. I think that's beautifully written. So, folks, motherhood. So important, as that slide says up there, it's so important that we highly esteem and value this role in our families in our church in our society because you can be jolly sure about one thing and that is that god definitely does if he does so ought we amen pray for mums pray for dads too but today mother's day we need to be praying and supporting our mothers god uses them in very special ways let's pray father we do thank you you are the god who designed the god who created motherhood And you did it perfectly. We want to thank you for the godly mothers, the influences that they've had, the godly grandmothers. Lord, women who have had such a powerful impact on all of our lives. Thank you for them. We pray for them today, that you give them strength, that you give them courage, that you give them endurance. That you give them that absolute sense of their dependency on you. And by doing that, they know that you're the God who will always see them through. You never fail us, Lord. You never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So just pray for the mums. We pray for relationships today too. Lord, if there are strained relationships, even in this room tonight, where there is a strained relationship between a a mother and a child, child and its mother, whatever it be, pray that you bring healing to that. Maybe there's people here tonight, Father, and only you know, where maybe they haven't contacted their mother. Maybe the mother hasn't contacted the child. Maybe there's some deep hurts here tonight in this whole relationship between mothers and children. But Lord, you're the God who says to us, is anything too difficult for me? And we say, no, it's not, Lord. So we pray that you bring healing. Pray that if there are people here tonight who need to contact their mother, or children that need to contact or mothers that need to contact children, Lord, whatever it is. If there's dysfunction, if there's hurt, if there's pain, if there's a breakdown, Father, help the people concerned here tonight to be able to surrender that to you. Allow you to do that healing work deep in the hearts. Perhaps there's some deep wounds there. You're the God that wants to heal those wounds. We pray you do that tonight. Yeah, do your work, Father. You do a work well. You do all things well. And we pray your blessing upon us as we go into the rest of this evening and this week. Go with us and thank you again for your presence with us here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.